Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, one of your hosts. I'm Stephen Guichard, one of your other hosts. Oh, nice work. Steve's filling in for uh, Ethan Broga today, and Stephen Guichard is one of our one of the analysts at uh, Seattle-based wealth management company, Empirical Wealth Management. He's a chartered financial analyst and uh, portfolio manager, one of our senior analysts at the company. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's nice to have you. I have lots of investment questions for you. Awesome. That we'll get to today. I want to talk... A little bit about the market today, Steve. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had some downside volatility here recently. So I want to talk about if is this a good time to be exiting the market? Um, is it ever a good time to be exiting the mm-hmm. market? Maybe that can be a better, more broad discussion, but at least in terms of the value uh, of the of the stock market right now and, and if it's a good time and maybe a little... Some examples of some investors that we've met recently and, and some of the fears that they've shared. I'd like to talk about that, Steve. And uh, then I thought we could talk. You had an article about what's been going on with hedge funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can take a look at that if you're out there and you've been considering that as a particular option. What what should you what should you be thinking about um, and what's been what's what are we seeing in the data on hedge funds recently? And uh, if there's time, Steve, I would then like to talk about on our show today um, this idea of um, the the ethics around different um, financial arrangements between a, a client or an investor and their financial advisor. And specifically in the press, particularly here in Seattle, there's a former a former uh, president of an organization called uh, NAPA is the mnemonic. Um, which is kind of an independent organization that's been created back in the 80s to for fee-only or fee-based financial planners. Um, and the the former president was is caught up in a in a uh, fraud case here. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit about what he was doing in, in a local or a reporter. What his um, is asserting that this somehow calls into question the idea of a fee fee-only. Um, hmm. 
method of compensation being ethical relative to commissions. There's a whole part, a whole thing about that. And if we can't get it to it on this show, we'll definitely talk about it next week. And I think it's very, very important because people, in our view, should get qualified help, and that help should be in the most uh, unbiased or, or conflict-free way possible. So before we do that, all of that, Steve, um, I'd like to give out our contact information and give you a little call to action here. If uh, you'd like to suggest a topic for our program, a, a guest, we from time to time do interviews and love to have interesting guests that are um, timely and uh, also relevant to our program of helping to educate you to make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions, please feel free to do so. Uh, if you would like to um, partake in uh, letting us use you as a kind of a case study for the program, and we'll do a free retirement analysis for you. Uh, we've been doing some very, very exciting work, particularly for those who are out there in the pre-retirement stage but um, still haven't made a decision about Social Security um, and uh, and uh, looking at Roth conversions and some other things that, you know, Ethan calls it his five secrets to a successful retirement. But the difference in some of the appropriate planning, while you still have the opportunity, can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars and can really be the difference between locking down your your financial security throughout retirement. We'd love to talk to you about this. So email us at contact. The address is contact at empiradio.com if, if we can uh, use you and answer any of your questions or do a retirement analysis. Or call us at 86, uh, you know, the live number, um, this is pre-recorded because, Steve, we have Thanksgiving, and they're not doing live programming, I believe, um, or at least we are not. I know Simon's got his haircut. He just got done today for the big holiday, and uh, but he's also not going to be here on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone who's listening right now. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Um, so anyway, you can give us a call, though, at uh, our number here at the office is one 800 923 uh, 4307, if you want to give us a buzz, that's 1-800-923-4307, or contact at empiradio.com. We'd love to uh, help you. And if you do do that, we uh, continuously offer free books, some of our favorite investment or financial planning books. We will give you one of those totally free, Steve. That's gratis. Really? Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know how you can get a better return on your money than getting a free book on how to that educates you on a lifetime of better financial decisions. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how you do it, Steve. Um, so I would take advantage of that <laughs> and rack up some big savings. You could even regift it. We got Christmas rolling around here, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good point. Um, anyway, like I said, uh, Simon's got his fade all in line today, and he's. Uh, what, what do you? Our listeners might not know what a fade is. Oh, well, that's just uh, the style that uh, Simon does his hair. It's short on the bottom and kind of gets blended up through the top and kind of spiky on top. So it kind of fades. Do we have a picture of Simon on our website? It's very stylish. I don't think we do. Particular about his do. Um, So... (laughs) 
<laughs> All righty then. Let's get back over to uh, the, the the nature of this program, Steve, which is financial and uh, helping our, our listeners make a, smart financial decisions. The market, Steve, you're you're a top analyst in the industry, one of the best, I would I would <laughs> suppose. And, Thanks, Ken. Uh, you're welcome. And it's true. Um, you know, I was doing some research last night, just kind of thinking about this, and we've had some investors recently. Uh, one of our advisors, Mike, was just talking to an investor, and who was who was just you know getting close to retirement, um, early 60s, for example, this, this person, and uh, just petrified, absolutely petrified of the stock and bond markets, and was basically saying, hey, I don't I don't want to have any exposure to anything, mm-hmm. and. You know, we we do a lot of educational um, uh, seminars and discussions with with investors and the public. And I mean, the two big threats in any that I talk about a lot in those presentations, Steve, are inflation eroding away to a to a successful retirement program. One would be inflation eroding away your your real wealth and your ability to sustain your lifestyle. Um, and two, volatility coming in. And wiping it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our view, there are very sound and prudent ways of managing both of those risks um, that don't that don't include pulling in and out of the market randomly and being completely uninvested and in cash because you believe the world's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, I wanted to run a couple ideas by here. I I looked at, uh, you know, we, we advocate global diversification, as you know. Um, we own literally thousands of securities in every portfolio that we design for our clients, have thousands of securities in them, stocks and bonds, uh, if, it, if there are, depending on how aggressive we are trying to be, the mix varies between the stock and bond component, but there are typically thousands of stocks and hundreds, if not thousands, of bonds on each side. And uh, I was looking, though, if you look, if you take the S&P 500 index, which is probably one of the more most popular and standard indexes of tracking what's going on in the U.S. stock market, um, and it has a, a, a much more diversification breadth than just the Dow Jones, mm-hmm. right? It's 500 stocks in that. But it's what's called a capitalization-weighted index, right, which means, Steve, you want to explain that? Well, um, rather than just take 500 companies and give them an equal weighting, they say, well, the larger companies are, are more important in the stock market and the economy, so they're going to get a greater weight. So each each company is weighted according to its uh, value. Yeah. So if you look at that and you say, well, everyone, you know, at, at times, it seems to me, Steve, that, that the market can be this kind of uh, esoteric, Beast, especially when it, we have downside volatility going down rapidly and severely, based on day-to-day news, and the media just amplifies that news. And you and I have looked at at studies and talked about the idea that sometimes a market moves and there really is no real news in a particular day. And and then the media will just have to make up news in order, in order to yeah, they'll explain drum up some, something or come up with whatever the what happened to come out and try to mm-hmm. right. Use that to explain what happened, why the market went up or down. But 
Um, various times throughout history, though, some of the major market moves really weren't accompanied by any major news. Mm-hmm. Right now, though, if you had to pick, um, what are the key headlines here day-to-day that are driving some of this concern? The, the Greek crisis and that spreading over into the rest of Europe is one. Uh, another recession in the U.S. people are worried about as well. Um, slowdown in other emerging markets. And uh, currently, we've got this re, um, the issue of the debt ceiling and the budget. The super committee failing. Right, the, the, the debt um, crisis continuing in yeah. the U.S., the upcoming election and all that instability that causes. And then you got these continued uh, things like the MF Global, right? These institutions that just go under all of a sudden. Yeah, if MF Global could go down, what other banks are oh, go down? doesn't create exposure. confidence, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not making people feel good or going, oh, great, everything's... Everything's working out here. Yeah. But um, but when you start to break the market down from this kind of unknown beast here, and you look at where the companies are, the companies that are um, inside this, and you start to ask yourself, hey, if I have some market exposure, first of all, I should never take more exposure to stocks than I can afford. Um, and, and if I don't have the appropriate time frame, I shouldn't be in stocks on a month-to-month or quarter basis. So it's kind of an interesting scenario when people are making decisions about what they think the stock market will do over the next three months, six months, even a year, when really that should be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It should be over their time horizon. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have a time horizon where the money that's allocated to stocks would be in there for at least 10 years, you might want to reconsider anyway. Yeah, but somebody who's in their early 60s, we talk about in our presentation, um, they have a they could have a 40 year time horizon. Hopefully, we've got to take a quick break, Steve. I want to come back on this topic and get to the point here. Um, we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Today we have Steve Guichard, uh, cert- ch- what, Chartered Financial Analyst. That's correct. Uh, a certified something. Um, and uh, and uh, this is Ken Smith coming at you. Um, we are in the Empirical Tower here in, in Seattle. Steve. Uh, we're talking about the market, and, and we're talking about investors who are scared right now, Steve, and many are pulling out or have pulled out of the market thinking it's the wise thing to do because I know a lot of people right now feel that the world could be coming to an end and that that it looks very, very scary. And the downside volatility we see every time a bad piece of news comes out of Europe or in our own market um, or the Democrats and Republicans can't seem to work out a budget um, – Somebody sells some stocks or puts some downward pressure, and everyone kind of freaks out. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I was looking at, we were saying that when you think of the market as this abstract concept that, you know, you don't really know what's behind the curtain kind of a deal. All you know is it goes up and down every day. Right. It's not always clear why. Is the whole thing rigged? Is it going to go to zero? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for the average person who's not in this business, that is a legitimate and real fear a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But when you start to break it down and think about the products and the things and the companies that we're looking at, um, I was looking at just the top ten stocks that compromise that are in the the largest position in the S and P 500 index. And if you look at that list, I'm just going to run through it. Apple um, is tied with Exxon Mobil, the two largest positions, mm-hmm. uh, at a little bit close to three and a half percent each of the total index. You have IBM, Microsoft, Chevron, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, AT&T, General Electric, Coca-Cola. Um, those are the top ten positions as listed by Standard & Poor's um, as a, in their weighting. And their weighting of those ten equal about 20, a little bit over 20.5%. So over 20% of, you know, and they make up a pretty good chunk of our entire U.S. market, actually. It's about $2 trillion. Yeah, that's right. Huge amount of, of that. And if you start to think about it, and I just pulled up some reports on Apple and Exxon. Um, but if, let me pull that up, Steve. But if you look at the um, the price-to-earnings multiple, um, you know, I'm looking at the Standard & Poor's stock re- report here they have as of November 9th. 19th, Steve, the using the trailing 12 months of earnings, so the last year of earnings in Apple, it's trading at 13.6 times earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the PE on the S&P operating EPS for 2012, it's like 10 times earnings. Hmm. Um, if you look at, uh, and I'm going to come back around, but if we just take, um, if we look at Exxon uh, Mobil, You've got a P ratio of 9.4 um, on the trailing earnings, according to S&P. Now, with everything that's going on in the world here, if we kind of pull up in the last few years, 
Um, look at the look at the earnings per share number. Uh, and I'll just look at Apple for example. Um, so in our globally diversified portfolios, I venture to say that Apple and Exxon are probably two of the larger stock positions in those portfolios um, because we tend to build our models around funds that are also cap-weighted. And if you look at this, Steve, if we go back to 2007, so kind of right at the peak of the crisis, you had earnings per share for the full year at 393 on Apple. 2008, it was $5.36. 2009, $9.08. 2010, $15.15. And uh, for 2011, it looks like expected for the year to be $27.68. Wow, they're just an earnings machine. <sighs> That's pretty good for a time where people are worried about the world coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, they're selling they're selling uh, iPhones and, and uh, iPads and and selling music on airs. Yeah, I mean, they're selling lots of stuff here, and people are buying this. And what's interesting is to see that kind of revenue growth on something that I wouldn't classify as an absolute essential for a lot of the products. You know, do you really mm-hmm. ha- do you need to have iTunes or an iPhone, Steve, or could you get by with just a phone that makes calls? I mean, we all uh, got by for a long time without iPhones. Or Probably could still. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I know I have several computers now, just to. But I, I don't know that that's a necessity, you know. Um, I have a laptop, and then I have my desktop at home. But you're a busy, I'm, productive guy. I'm a manage a few computers. <laughs> that's true, Steve, but that's here nor there. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here is when you start to think about these companies and think about the products that you use, that your family uses, that your friends are using, um, regardless of whether Greece defaults on its debt. Mm-hmm. Italy or Europe has problems. I mean, those, I'm not I'm not diminishing that, but ask yourself: Would these companies go to zero? Because mm-hmm. people are putting the market because I think a lot of times they have the real fear that it's going to go to zero. Yeah. Um, Exxon Mobil. Uh, let's do a little uh, examination of that real quick. I just wanted to give you the growth rate on that, uh, and I'm not recommending Apple. That's not that's not the point. Um, it just happens to be a big position, and even if you own a diversified portfolio, it's going to be in there. You mm-hmm. know, I'm just picking the top ten companies. There's mm-hmm. no rhyme or reason. I'm not even trying to pick companies that I'm saying, hey, these are the good ones you want to buy. Mm-hmm. The S&P report here, they have a, a nice rating, and they have a, uh, a price 12-month price target of it at $500. Um, I don't make comments. We're not. We don't do that kind of individual stock recommendation work. There's a reason we don't do it and that no one else seems to do it well. That's and right. Investors don't need it. Well, if you look at the five-star um, stocks that they had in 1999, they were all tech stocks, Cisco, Intel, Microsoft. Wow. All of the NASDAQ stocks, you know, SME. So I don't put a lot of stock into that <laughs> in the fact that any one stock or even one narrow industry of stocks mm-hmm. can certainly take an unexpected turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. But I'm, what the ten we're pulling out here are from all different industries, mm-hmm. and when I when you're looking at a you know if you look at the average PE uh, in 1999 of the S&P index it was it had gotten up close to 45 I think yeah. 47 depending on how you measure it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about a growth stock here. Apple I wouldn't necessarily 
classify it as a as a growth. Standard and Poor's puts it as large cap growth. Mm-hmm. That's trading at uh, 13 times trailing earnings. Wow. And yeah. I, just, I just looked up the the P or of the S and P 500 in total is about 13, um, which compared to those 1990 P's is uh, quite a bargain. Yeah, it, it gives some room for error. I mean, I mean mm. people are not. It's the market's priced in a lot of the fear and the risk, and I think that's what people kind of fail when they're pulling out of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love your feedback on this, Steve, because I think it's vitally important to people making a better better decisions. But when is the time to pull out of the market when it's trading at 50 times earnings or when it's trading at 13 times earnings? Mm-hmm. Um, historically, it's a better time to if you are going to pull out now. We're not huge advocates of pulling in and out of the market. Yeah. But if you were, you'd have been better served to be pulling out at times where the market was trading at 50 times earnings yeah. than at times where um, – but what's interesting about that dynamic? Well, I mean, what's interesting is, uh, like, for example, in the late 90s when the P ratio of the S&P 500 was traded above 40 at some point, uh, that's not the time the media was saying pull out of the market now. That's not the time when – Everyone was was really scared of uh, very specific things and uh, calling their financial advisors in a panic. Um, that was the time when everyone was like, "What? You didn't get twenty percent returns? Like you need to talk to my broker." Um, and uh, now we're kind of in the opposite scenario where the market's a lot cheaper, even um, cheaper than it has been historically. Looking at the the one year P ratio, and um, it's also the time when people tend to be panicked. And I think. Um, this is like going through individual stocks is not something that we do or advocate doing, but I think this is a really good exercise and uh, just convincing people that there is some real value behind uh, your investments. Um, with a P ratio of 13, uh, that means about for every hundred dollars you invest in the stock market, you get about seven dollars and sixty cents in real earnings every year. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you kind of compare that with um, your bank account where you get less than $1 in earnings every year, it uh, kind of makes an interesting comparison. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, and uh, now you're looking at ExxonMobil here, it's uh, trading at 9, like I was saying, 9.4 times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a actual dividend yield of around 2.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to go out of business anytime soon? And, and yeah. is energy not going to be required? You know? I mean, if there's another slowdown uh, in Europe or the U.S., uh, yeah, the shares will probably go down in price. But uh, are people investing in the stock market because they need to withdraw the money next year? Hopefully not. They're investing in the stock market because they need to withdraw in 10 or 20 years. And um, are these companies going to be worth a lot less in 10 or 20 years? It seems a lot less likely. Well, you know, you've had a net income growth here in the last year of about 57%. Um, wow. Uh, all I'm saying, again, I, I'm not advocating going out and buying one or two stocks or a handful. We're just going down the list here. The point mm-hmm. is when you take a look at the valuations, um, I think as a whole, if you look, and you were mentioning the current um, on the S&P is about 13 times earnings. Is the yeah. P- the historic has been about 15. Mm-hmm. But part of that historic average includes a time period where a lot of academics um, may argue that there's reason to believe we could have a slightly higher average. 
mm-hmm. um, for, you know, why why in the second half of uh, I'm getting the flag here. We've got to take a quick break here, Steve. I was just <laughs> getting all hot. I was excited day. to hear the end of that thought. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. We'll 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 give, jump back into this discussion. Okay. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, Steve, we're back. I'm back. We're both back. Ethan's not back, but he will well, be back next week. He'll be back next week, hopefully. He's a man of leisure, and uh, I know he likes vacation, <laughs> but we're hoping he'll be back. We're in here in Pierre Tower, broadcasting on Thanksgiving. Yeah. He loves to be in the mix, though. So, All right. Well, what we're talking about here is, uh, Stephen, the last two segments, I've been setting up a, a case mm-hmm. that if you're sitting there worried about your investments, your 401K, your retirement funds, it's more important to focus your time and energy on finding the right financial advisor, for example, and getting a financial plan down than it is spending your time worrying about whether the stock markets around the world are going to go to zero mm-hmm. and pulling all your money out of the market and putting it under your mattress. Because in the long run, an approach like that where you're making erratic emotional decisions um, is not going to reward you. You you will jeopardize your ultimate plan. You'll reduce your your opportunity for success. You'll reduce the opportunity that you'll have enough money to make it through retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, and sustain your quality of life throughout retirement. And all we were doing, Steve, was going through some of the stocks, some of the biggest stocks in the United States, the top 10 positions, and we went through Apple, and we were talking about ExxonMobil, how these are trading at historically low uh, P.E. ratios for them for those companies. But also, on a, if we look at the long-term average going in the break, we were saying the long-term average in the S&P has been about 15. There's some very valid arguments out there as to why in, in more recent modern times that you might be able to justify a higher P ratio for the for our market, maybe something in the 18 to 20 range is what I've seen, mm-hmm. because of increased uh, liquidity, enhanced liquidity and transparency and informational efficiency, enhanced productivity. But you also have transaction costs, the cost of diversifying and investing in stocks coming down over the years. Basically, stocks are just a better deal now because you can buy and sell them because um, they're a lot cheaper. Uh, they're also good compared to bonds because uh, bond prices are way up. In other words, interest rates are down. Um, so it makes sense that these days stocks would be more highly valued than they had in the past, whereas currently they're, um, they have a lower valuation than they have historically. And historically speaking, they're, they're, the, the return from stocks have had a fundamental connection to earnings growth. And how much of those earnings, you know, they get, uh, how much earnings a company brings in. And the fact that um, if, if they paid it all out as a dividend, right, and they never had any earnings growth, that would be the return, just like a bond would. Yeah. But typically, companies either pay a dividend um, that increases over time, or they're increasing the value of their, their company by retaining the dividend and then reinvesting it into other projects or purchasing assets, mm-hmm. which drives the price or the value up of the company. Mm-hmm. So from time to time, though, the market moves wildly, just like any one stock, in part because of the speculation about what the short-term direction of, uh, of earnings will be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll we'll have times where earnings do decline, and they they did during the I mean during the last two recessions, you had companies where earnings declined, um, and if if the price of the stock stayed the same, all things being held constant, the P/E ratio would be much higher. Mm-hmm. That P/E ratio is the speculative. Um, John Bogle from Vanguard refers to it as the speculative component. Of the of stock market returns over any given period. So, and then you're you're saying that basically because we think corporations in the world will have earnings that are probably higher in 10 or 20 years. We don't exactly know though how the market will value those earnings. That kind of tends to fluctuate randomly. What people are willing to pay for uh, the same dollar of earnings in the future is the speculative part. It's the unknown. Mm-hmm. Today, right? It's 13 times earnings on mm-hmm. the S&P. For some reason, it was 45 in 1999. In 1999, people were willing to pay 45 times earnings, a significant premium over what they're willing to, to pay. But yet, Steve, I ask you, do we have um, more earnings per share today than we did in the past? Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah. Um, people just aren't, aren't currently aren't paying a pre- you know that kind of a premium. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it could go down below 13. Um, but it's already below historical averages. And is it likely that it's going to go down to four or five? Uh, seems pretty unlikely at this point. You know, it, there's a limit, right? Mm-hmm. On, on, I mean, um, that you would expect to see it. I mean, and we were just talking about Microsoft as one of the other companies in the top ten. 
mm-hmm. um, which is trading at um, about a PE of nine right now, nine times earnings, um, which is very interesting when you think about historically what what multiple. I know the multiple for Microsoft has been up to 40, 50 times earnings in its heyday. Yeah. Um, Those heyday days are over. Yeah, I'm not saying it's necessarily worth that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's certainly not trading at exorbitant values for what you're getting. And it, and the point we're making here is if you take away some of this doom and gloom and start to look into these companies, mm-hmm. you and if you owned a broadly diversified index, and I'm just focusing on the U.S. here, Steve, and, he, and you started going through the list starting at the top and looking at these, and you say, geez, am, regardless of what happens in Greece or Italy, again, um, is Microsoft or some company like Microsoft going to still have a market for, com- for for computing? Are we still going to use an operating system of some kind? Um, I mean, we all could move to Macs, Linux-based systems, mobile phones. And uh, my point is we own all of them in our portfolios. So yeah. wherever that is, because <laughs> now you're talking about moving from one substitute to another. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Buying Google but The real question Microsoft is, are you Google going to stop accessing information? Mm-hmm. Are you going to go back 20 years in time and go, well, I'm just going to opt out of getting data and using any kind of computing system? <laughs> is that what is that what you're contemplating, Steve? Not at this point, but no. you keep getting more bad stock market news. You never know. You, you might. You'll be using the abacus again. <laughs> some cave. We're going to go way back. I, I'm just saying, think about some of these Johnson Johnson and um, we're still going to need toothpaste. Yeah, are you going to stop taking medications or putting a Band-Aid on? Or I, I just don't, I don't see that. I see a lot of fear, mm-hmm. but that fear is, is largely based on dis- very distracting issues that, again, are important to the ec- the global economy. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean that we won't have a slowdown. But I'm saying, if you have a time frame, and you think about these products that we're all using day to day. Um, and you look at the valuations on these companies, it makes me very optimistic about the money I'm putting away for my kids for their college planning, which is 10-plus years away, um, for my retirement, which is 10-plus years away. And I'm, ideally, you'd have 20 years if, if you're thinking mm-hmm. about stock market. And we were saying, hey, even somebody who's 60 who's retiring, their, their life expectancy – you got If it's a joint, a couple, that one of them will live to 100 is still 5%. Um, wow. That one of them will go beyond 80 uh, is you're st- 44%, Steve. Hmm. So you have a pretty high probability on that 20 years, even if you're 60. So if you're 30, 40, I don't understand. You know, We quote the statistics on, the, on here about uh, some of the polls that have been done, and, and only 30% of people even having a financial plan, but being confident that they'll be re- able to retire, that are in their 20s and 30s. Um, there's so much time to plan now and to get on track. It's kind of crazy to me. But I can understand the fear when you think of it in this constant bombardment. Um, and if you seek action, you'll certainly get fed it that the world's going to come to an end. <laughs> there's always someone willing to feed you that information. But, again, start breaking down these companies one by one. Um, we don't ever recommend buying small numbers. It's just an exercise to get you connected and familiar with what's going on and then mm-hmm. saying, hey, how does this relate to where stock prices have been in the past and what where we were paying for earnings? And if you look at them, it's very um, 
comforting to see that the earnings have continued. In spite of all this bad news, that earnings continues to go up. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to our next topic, Steve. Did we, did we flog that horse? I, I think that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling better. Um, I know. I, are people going to stop eating turkeys? <laughs> huh. Okay. Um, what was that? It's kind of a weak turkey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. They crank that up. Well, we've got a couple minutes here, Steve. So the next topic, uh, let's let's shift in this hedge fund thing you got. What do you got? Oh, well, earlier um, I ran across an interesting graph about hedge fund correlations that I emailed to you. and um, I liked it. You did? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So basically what, it, what you're seeing, uh, or what I'm seeing, what you can't see, but I'll describe to you, is the correlation between the HFRI equity hedge index with the S&P 500. So basically uh, the amount that hedge funds and the stock market move in sync. And um, hedge funds were, were created with the idea that they uh, would not have risk that cor- is correlated with the S&P 500. That's uh, the, one of the big selling points is that, sure, the stock markets will go up and down. That doesn't necessarily mean that your um, hedge funds are going to go down at the same time. And um, looking at this data, which there are a lot of problems with hedge fund data. but That um, was a sizzle, right? Yeah, that was a sizzle. <laughs> yeah. And according to this data, back in 95, 96, uh, the correlation was quite low. Um, it's on a scale between negative one and one, one being high, uh, zero being no correlation. Um, and uh, it, but it, for a long time, it was at around 0.6, which was a great diversifier. And if those numbers are real, uh, would probably make it a great addition to a portfolio, um, given some other aspects. But what we see is there's a clear trend. It's since 95 to now, it's been it's been going steadily up. And um, over the past few years, it's been around 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9. Or, um, oh. Steve, we've got to take a quick break. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Um, we'll come back and get right back to this hedge discussion. Okay. Awesome. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, it's Ken Smith here with Stephen Guichard on Empirical Investing Radio. In the last segment of our program, we're talking about hedge funds and the data that... Um, Steve, where did this data come from? Uh, th- this is the um, HFRI uh, Equity Hedge Index. And HFRI, they're one of the more well-known hedge fund index providers. Okay. So they're the index provider, and they provided the data on the kind of study and trend on what's going on with hedge funds. And Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is the steady decline, I think you were saying, in in, um, these hedge funds as a group that they're tracking in this particular group, being closer and closer to S&P 500. Yeah. Basically, uh, hedge funds are designed to be resistant to stock market declines. But since the last financial crisis, they've been pretty much moving in lockstep with the stock market. Only with worse performance. Yes, which we haven't discussed yet. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> the if you look at the same data, um, this HFRI equity hinge index. Um, oh, it's been good. going down the toilet. <laughs> it's been going down the toilet, right? So back in the 90s, according to this data, and there were some issues with this data that we can get to, um, but the important thing is the trend. Uh in the 90s, hedge funds seemed to do better than S&P 500. And since then, there's been a steady decline. And uh, now you're actually getting worse performance than the stock market. Which is interesting because it's something we've been fighting or I've been fighting my entire career, Steve. Mm-hmm. Which is after hedge funds, some of these hedge funds showed some diver- so-called diversification value. In the, after the tech bubble, right, mm-hmm. um, money was pouring into these things like crazy. Yeah. Um, and like other things, they tend to do bad at the time after the money pours in. Mm, yeah, if you were to do another graph of assets and hedge funds, it's been rising steadily since the 90s. Um, so money goes into hedge funds just as they start to do poorly in every respect. Well, we were we were reading an article um, about the Leg Mason manager, Bill M- Miller, who mm-hmm. for 15 years had been managed to uh, 
beat the S&P 500, whether it was luck or skill or whatever. Yeah. But then in subsequent times, I think for the most recent five-plus years, he hasn't done well at all, mm-hmm. and now he's announcing that he's retiring. And in this CNBC article here, Steve, they talked about how um, – there are no superstar mutual fund managers anymore. Mm-hmm. That he's probably the last of a dying breed, and because they're all going into, they've all all the real talents moved into the hedge fund area. Yeah, and so I, I think that's kind of like a popular myth is that the, the smartest guys in the market are all working for hedge funds. And so, if you're an investor and you want to get uh, access to alpha, you need to invest in hedge funds, and um, it's something. You know, we've been trying to push back against for a while, and uh, now the, the data clearly shows that uh, these days uh, hedge funds are a very poor investment. And part of that pursuit of what you're calling alpha, which is really a higher than market return for the, without taking on additional risk, mm-hmm. right, is what the, the definition of alpha would be is any return in excess of the return you would get for a given amount of risk on a benchmark. Exactly. Well, isn't it? Intuitive, if we look at what happened in the stock market, is at the point in which the so-called best and brightest talent is pouring into that segment, they're competing against themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not competing against you and I because we're not engaging in the strategies that they're engaging in. Yeah. But they're competing against themselves for return. Mm-hmm. Who can find and identify these hidden opportunities mm-hmm. um, in advance? And it would, it it's logical that as that happens it becomes tougher and tougher. Yeah. You have the smartest people in the world and trillions of dollars chasing after these opportunities. Um, Eventually, they're going to seize them all and they're not going to exist anymore. The the historical problem has been that at times they've been able to take, because they don't have to publicly disclose Mm -hmm. um, exactly what they're doing if they're the previously the non-registered versions, um, that they've had some huge blow-ups when they do blow yeah, it, it's very easy for a hedge fund to uh, use a strategy of taking around a lot of risks that doesn't show up in the returns. Um, I think someone likened it to once uh, picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. Like, for a while, you're going to do fine. You're going to get steady, decent returns, um, no problems until one day everything kind of explodes. And then that's it's not until then that investors realize how much risks these hedge funds are actually taking. And um, and And if that... Uh, when they talk about correlated risk or whatever, the fact that it doesn't go down when the S&P goes down in the past didn't necessarily mean that there's no, there's no risk. It's just yeah. not correlated to the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of leads people to believe that they're less risky than maybe they really are mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Um, or the methodology that they were starting on in the beginning somehow evolves or morphs into something where they wind up being in a risky situation and that risk emerges in a black swan kind of an event yeah um where it it then wipes out the entire fund Mm -hmm. like the long-term capital kind of a scenario yeah so anyway um our advice and and part oh the last point i was going to make on the hedge funds the reason why some of the um the academic guys don't don't uh, like Ken French and Eugene Fama, when I've heard them speak about hedge funds, they say, hey, maybe there is some of this real brilliant talent out there. We're not even disputing that. But mm-hmm. they tend to, when they do get an edge, they tend to eat the edge away by their own fees. Yeah. 
So if you're, unfortunately for the investors, is um, if you have somebody who has this knack of being able to do better than they could in a publicly traded mutual fund, mm-hmm. um, well, the first thing they tend to do with hedge funds or the reason why you would go to that is because you can charge higher fees, mm-hmm. right? Is and you see that in the hedge fund space, and the most well-known hedge funds with the best track record will have higher fees than the lesser-known ones. And so and even if they are smarter people with um, the potential to have higher returns, they're taking that return home in their own paycheck. They're not giving it to the investors. The investors aren't getting the full fare of it. They're not getting you know, a Vanguard ETF expense ratio with 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 getting to keep all the superior returns. Mm-hmm. Um the guys who can do that tend to eat it away until their till their luck runs out. Yeah. Of course, and then they just shut the hedge fund down. Is what happens. I yeah. see happen very mm. frequently. Um, not not a good strategy. There are much better ways to build portfolios and manage risk um, that are way uh, significantly more tax efficient, liquid, mm-hmm. and transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, so these advisors that have engaged in this whole hedge fund game. I think have done their investors a huge disservice, and it's primarily based, in my view, in the past on a sales tactic. Yeah. Um, that hey, this is what people want. We're going to give the people what they want. Yeah. And unfortunately, for a long time, they had these hedge fund returns, returns, and low correlation to back them up. Um, now there have always been a lot of problems with that data, but uh, now it seems that that data is working against them and actually shows that. Yeah, like, well, one of the, the things was that the com- the funds that don't do well, it was always optional for them to report. Yeah. They don't have to participate in the re- in the, in the fund. So day. if your fund blows up, you know, you have negative 50% returns, are you going to send in your <laughs> performance to the index? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve, um, we've, we're out of time. I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this uh, this NAPFA deal. So we'll start oh. next week's show okay. with or without you as my favorite <laughs> UT song. Um, and we'll we'll go through that. Maybe we'll have you back in for that, though, because I know you're getting excited. Yeah. So um, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving and, and holidays, and we'll, we'll be back next week. Yeah, happy Thanks. Thanksgiving, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.
thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.